Thank you, Lord. Excited about the word this morning. Amen. And uh, as I told you last week, uh, as I was going through my daily reading, my daily Bible reading, I came across a verse. And that verse, he's okay. Peace. Just peace. Let's just pray for a second. Peace. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Just speak peace. I feel like that too some days, Lord. I do. I do. So, Lord, we just praise you and thank you for the peace of God, which passes all understanding to guard our hearts and minds. We just thank you, Lord, for peace. Peace. Wonderful peace. Amen? Amen. Jesus could not have been a sad, lonely, or depressed man. You know why? Children liked him. Children wanted to be around Jesus. He was a happy man when he walked the earth. And with the exception in Scripture and Isaiah of what he went through in the garden, which was pretty excruciating, wouldn't you agree? That he walked in such a peaceful demeanor, a calmness, a meekness, that you just wanted to be around him. Amen? I think we should be like that. People should want to be around us because we make them feel secure. Amen? The peace of God. Well, what I want to continue talking about this morning is some scripture that I ran into last week. Really what we're talking about, and if you want to title this, you would title it this, that a living faith demands a living word. A living faith demands a living word. And I don't know about you, but maybe there are some things. I've only been in this. It'll be next month. It'll be 31 years since I've been saved. In a few short weeks, it'll be 31 years. And this is funny with God. The more you get into the things of God, the less you know. Because you really come into this thing with some ideas in your head of what you think you know and all that. And, and, but when you actually get into the Word of God and you start spending time with the Holy Spirit and you really start understanding what the Word says, you find out, oh Lord, there are so many doors that I've never opened to the things of God. There's so many, I, I, I don't know about you, but I've got notes everywhere of things that I want to study. You know, I find this and I find this and I find this and I find this and I'm writing down notes and I'm like, my whole life is nothing but post-it notes and yellow pads. You know, I've got pages and pages of, I like yellow pad. I like to write. Amen. I'm not a fast, my, my fingers are chubby. I don't like to type too much. But I found a verse and it was in the book of Psalm and I'm going to take you to it today. And for whatever reason, this particular verse set me free, and it actually gave me manifestation, revelation of how to make this thing work. Anybody want to know how to make this thing work? Anybody tired of seeing it not work? Any of us frustrated sometimes with our faith projects? Well, hopefully today I'm going to bring you a little bit of clarity with that, but it's a process. I want you to go to the book of Psalms, chapter 12. And beginning in verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words. Like silver tried in a furnace of earth, 
purified seven times. That was it. Now, I've read that verse like you. Have you ever seen that verse before in the Bible? Amen. I read it. makes sense. Yes, all the words of God, they're purified, all that. But all of a sudden, I went back, and what I like to do, and there's some great Bible studying. Bible Hub is a great study tool. If you're looking for ways to study the Bible, it's called Bible Hub. It gives you hundreds of translations. It gives you a lexicon. It gives you the Greek. It gives you the Hebrew. It gives you the Strong's. If you really want to study what the Word of God is saying, you can use that app or that website. And if you have access immediately, listen to me, we have access at the fingertip to thousands of years of information. There's no reason why we should know something. Amen. It's right there at our fingertips. So I'm a word study guy, so I'm going to give you a couple of definitions real quick, okay? The words of the Lord are pure. Number one, that word pure means clean and it means fair. Fair. I want you to know right now, no matter who you are, where you were born, your skin color, your gender, your height, your weight, none of that matters. The word of God is fair. It will work for anybody. It was made to work for everyone. God is fair. And when God is fair, he doesn't just favor one special group over another when it comes to his word. So the word of God is fair. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter if you had two parents, one parents, you were born, you were hatched. It doesn't matter. The word of God is fair. I'm a pigeon. You'll get that. The word of God is fair. Number two, it's tried, which means it's refined and it's tested. Do you remember the the tire commercial where they take that tire and they put it under the worst of circumstances, the coldest Antarctica, the hottest desert, that tire is tested and tried, so it's going to give you 30,000 miles. Well, the Word of God's the same way. It's It's been tried. It's been tested. It's gone to hell. It's gone to heaven. It works everywhere. It has never come up short. It has been tried and it is true. But then you're saying, but pastor... Why isn't it working for me? And I'm going to give you the missing piece this morning. That word furnace, tried in the furnace of the earth. I've watched that scripture. I watched that line. I've never, it never caught me at all till I went and figured out, Lord, what's the furnace of the earth? And that's our hearts. The Word of God is purified, tried, and tested, not underneath some earthly mountain in the depths of this earth, but it's tried in our hearts. The Word is trying us today. That word tried, or that word furnace, it also leads you to another word which which is called crucible. Anybody know what a crucible is? A crucible is a cup. If I was going to melt something, if I was going to put something in a furnace, I would take whatever that I was going to blend together and I would put it in this crucible and that crucible would be be heated hot enough so that it would melt whatever's inside of it and mix those things together. Pastor, why isn't it working for me? Because we're not letting the word get hot enough in our hearts 
where it melts with what we're believing for and becomes the substance of what I'm hoping for. I'm not letting it get hot. I've got the word in my head, but I don't have the word in my heart. And if I don't have the word in my heart, there's nothing down there cooking. If you want the word to work for you, you've got to get it into your heart. So what happens is, is God takes his word, he puts it in our heart. When I believe, my believing part, I put believing in that crucible along with his word. That word gets hot enough where those two things begin to melt and they begin to come together. Now all of a sudden I'm dealing with Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 when it says faith is the substance. Oh my gosh. Now I got a substance. But a lot of times in my life I'm finding out that I know tons and tons of word but how much of it is really in my heart? What's cooking right now? What is in my heart right now that if I spoke it, I believe that it would come to pass? I know lots of word. And it's good for us to know lots of word. Amen. We need to know the word. But the word that you know won't do anything for you. We have to have the revelation, the understanding, the comprehension. We have to be able to grasp what that word is saying in order for that to profit me. So, how do I know what I have revelation of? Good question, right? How do you know if you have a revelation or not? Can you apply that verse to your everyday life? Can you, do you have working knowledge of what you're believing for and can you apply it to your everyday life? When you can apply it, then you have revelation of it. That's good. There's a lot of things that we have word in, but we don't understand it. We don't understand the word. We hear the word, we listen to the word, but we don't understand the word. And when I don't understand the word, guess what? In Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower, when the sower is sowing the seed in that first set, he says he throws it by the wayside and the birds come and they pick it up. That doesn't mean that the enemy is right here, right now, trying to dive bomb you and take the word. The only word the enemy can touch is the words you don't understand. And let me give you the good news right up front. Whatever you have revelation knowledge of, the enemy can never take it from you. That's why the battle is always about the word in your heart. That's where the battle is. It's not about the battle in your head. It's about the battle of your heart. Satan is terrified of somebody with the word in their heart. He could care less if you go and study the word all day long, as long as it doesn't get in your heart. There are theological seminaries all over the world where they have head knowledge, where they teach the word all day, every day. But guess what? There's no revelation. There's no power. So therefore, there's no threat to the enemy. What the enemy is coming after is the word, the revelation that's in your heart. And you're wondering, why am I going through something? Because there's a fight about that revelation. You are going to be tempted and you are going to be tried in everything you believe. 
And what happens is, is when that trial or that test comes, what happens is, is this. Man, I think I need to go to another church. It's just getting uncomfortable here. I need to go somewhere where maybe they'll, they'll tell me that I'm doing a good job. I need to go somewhere and get some encouragement. Do we need encouragement? Please, let me encourage you. You're doing great. No one has got up and walked out yet. You're doing great. Amen, you're doing great. But we're not going to get to heaven for God to go, well done, good and faithful servant. What, I, what is so strong in me and has been now for days is, is we have to get the word out of our head and into our hearts. And we got to let that word get hot enough. And there's, a, there's, a, there's several different ways how we let that word get hot. Where we actually let it blend into our believing, purge out all the impurities, and out of it becomes something beautiful that you've been believing for. But will we allow that word to get hot enough for change? Will we meditate on that word enough? Will we spend the time that we need to spend with that word, meditating the word? I like memorization. We should all be memorizing the word. What else is there to memorize? Yeah, no phone numbers anymore. We're free. There's so many things we don't have to remember anymore. Amen. We freed up a lot of space. There's a lot of bandwidth we can use now for the word. We need to be filling ourselves with the word, but what we really need to be doing is let that word move from head knowledge to heart knowledge. Amen? Amen. His word and our hearts test us, it tries us, and it refines us. His word in my heart, with my believing heated up, produces the substance of faith. So why am I not seeing more manifestation? I've got like 10 things written down and I'm sure there's more. Number one, the word is in my head and not in my heart. That's the number one reason we don't see manifestation is we, we were like the Ethiopian eunuch I talked about last week. He's standing up in his chariot. He's reading Isaiah. He's reading it out loud. He has no understanding of what he's reading. And God sends him a Holy Ghost spirit-filled evangelist who gets up in that chariot and through the book of Isaiah is able to preach Jesus more accurately. Think about that. Had revelation knowledge of who Jesus was in the scriptures to the point where the man said, what must I do to be saved? And Philip leads him right there to the Lord and then he says, is there some water so I can be baptized? And that man's life is forever changed. Why? Because he got a revelation. It went from his head to his heart. And it went to his heart. It moved him. It moved him into the things of God. A word in your heart will move you into the things of God. How many of you have had words spoken over you? How many of you have promises that have been spoken over you? Huh? Why do we let them go? Why do we shelve those things? Well, it just hadn't happened yet, as if time is the thing that's going to make it happen. Time has nothing to do with it. It has to do with letting those words get into your heart, meditating those words, getting the revelation of those words, and yes, there is a time element involved. I think that's where we lose it sometimes, because the whole standing thing is foreign to us. Having done all to stand... Stand. 
That standing thing is something that maybe we don't talk about enough. How many of you right now are standing in faith? You know without a shadow of a doubt that you are standing in faith for something or someone. Stand. I want to add my faith with you. I'm standing with you, but make sure you're standing on something and not head knowledge of something. It's easy just to shoot a couple of scriptures out and say, well, I'm just waiting on God. No, no, there's far more to it than that. Far more to it than that. Number two, the fire is burning too low to produce the heat that I need. I wish we could take all of our faith projects and make them work by coming to church once a week on a Sunday. I wish that was enough fuel to get the fire hot enough to get that word working in your heart, but it's not. 99% of the things that are going to happen in your life are going to happen with you alone with your Bible with God. Running from meeting to meeting to get a word is fleshly, is sensual, and is not gospel. But nobody, nobody looks forward to Monday morning. I'm going to get up and I'm going to get out my Bible and I'm going to read my Bible today. And we shut it and we're frustrated. Why? Because we don't understand what we're reading. So let me help you. Pray this every time. God, I'm about to open up this book and I am looking for you. Show yourself to me. That's why I like the book of Proverbs. I read Proverbs every single day. I read a chapter in Proverbs every day. have done it for 30 years. If you open my Bible, all the, the dirty pages are Proverbs for my thumbs. Because I read it every single day. Amen. Proverbs teaches us how to live with God. And how to live with man. And how to be married. And what to do with money. And how to raise children. And how to run a business. And how to honor God. It's all in there. If we'll take the time, and you can take one verse, Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord has made me rich. And he's added no sorrow to it. Amen. See, I had to have that scripture when my kids wanted to go to college. And the college wanted buku dinero. <laughs> yes, we love little Jackie and little Emily, but guess what? As cute as they are, we still need... Six figures so we can educate your child. I needed a verse. I went to Proverbs 10.22 seven years ago. It's been part of my life. It flows in and out of me. The blessing of the Lord has made me rich and he's had no sorrow to it. You know what the revelation of that means? That means God can bless me without somebody dying. I don't have to wait for my parents to die to get an inheritance before I can be happy. How y'all feeling? You good? You're looking a little, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have to get in a car wreck so I can sue somebody's insurance so that I can make some money. The blessing, the empowerment to prosper of the Lord has made me rich. But what happens is if you don't have a re revelation, you just think I'm talking about money. I'm talking about a rich marriage relationship. I'm talking about a rich relationship with my God. I'm talking about a rich relationship at my church. I'm talking about every part of my life increasing and being rich. Amen. Not just money. Amen. The blessing. I've been empowered to prosper by my Savior. Amen. 
And he adds no sorrow to it. That's revelation knowledge. That's from the book of Proverbs. So I encourage you, if you're looking for a place to start, start in the book of Proverbs. Number two, I don't understand the word and it is stolen. As I said before, I know I went to one is getting the word in my head, not out of my heart. Number two is I don't understand the word and it's stolen. Number three was the fire is burning too low to produce the heat that I need. I skipped one. It says very, very clearly. Let's look at that real quick. Let's go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. And Jesus was talking to everybody in parables at this time. So he gives them the parable of the sower, and this is when it is explained. It says in verse 18, Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. So as, as I said before, if you don't understand the word, it's not going to prosper you. And as I said, the definition of understanding a revelation, if you cannot take what I am teaching or preaching today and apply it to your life, then you don't understand what I'm saying. So how do I get understanding, Pastor? I go back and I listen to it again and again and again. And I continue to listen to the word until I do understand it, until I can apply it to my life. We all know that God's number one rule is love, right? Yes? Yes. Anybody in here got that all figured out? Everybody got their love walk down where you're 100%? Huh? Because guess what? There's a test or a trial coming your way. Just when you think you're walking in the most love, God sends the most unlovable person in the world into your life. I've met them. I don't want to get too far ahead, but no, then I won't. (laughs) Number four, why am I not seeing more manifestation? Number four, we don't recognize God-given opportunities to turn the heat up. You're going to be tried in what you believe. It is going to get hot. It is going to get uncomfortable. If you are going to stand and you are going to believe God for I don't care who it is or what it is, at some point, it's going to look the complete opposite to you. And that is an opportunity for that word to get a little bit hotter in your heart. That is not my opportunity to turn the thing down and say, well, God is just not working. Lord, I've been believing for him and they're acting even more like a hellion today. God, I'm believing for finances, but guess what? They just cut everybody at work. I guess this doesn't work. Now, that's another reason. But when I start talking opposite of what I'm believing, I am taking that thing, that thermostat, and I'm just turning it down. I am taking all the heat out of that word that I'm trying to believe for. I'm turning it down. And we've got to get that fire hot. Listen to me. A little persecution is good. Because that adds heat to what you're believing for. When you stand through persecution, can I just jump all the way to the end? I'm going to do it. 
That's, that verse says in Proverbs, in Psalms chapter 12, verse 6, that he heats it up seven times more. It's purified. There's a wonderful account of three Hebrew boys that went into a fiery furnace. And when it got heated up seven times, Jesus shows up. When you get the word purified in your heart where it's white hot like that, guess what? Jesus will show up in your situation. But he's waiting for it to get that hot. They were in there because of persecution. Don't run from persecution. Don't go to another church because you feel persecuted. Quit running from place to place to try and get a word. I'll just get a prophecy. I'll show you, Pastor Jack. God is waiting for us to stand on his word and not be moved. There's two verses that we've got to get to. Two verses. Two things that we've got to do. And when we get to these two things, manifestation is close. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, and Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Hebrews eleven nineteen said, and this is Abraham talking, for he reasoned that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. We have to get to the point that no matter what we're believing for, even if it dies, that we're so saturated with the faith of God that we reason, that it changes. We've got to let the word change our reasoning. I can't reason my own reason. My own reason would say it's not working, it's dead, it's gone, let's move on. But Abraham's reasoning after spending time after time after time with God, seeing him, has God been good to anybody? Has God ever done anybody, anything for anybody in the room? Raise your hand. If God has done anything for you, then why, why, would he, why would he stop now? Why when he's done everything we've ever asked for and a billion things we didn't even know about to keep us safe, to protect us? Why do when we get into this situation, do we start doubting? Well, maybe it's going to work. Maybe it's done. Maybe, well, you know, let me, let me try and add my own understanding to it. We have to get to the point where we have so marinated in the things of God that we reason that even if Isaac dies, God can raise him up from the dead. Number two, Acts chapter 20, verse 24. This is Paul. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. We have to get to the point where the word is so real, it's so hot in my heart, that no matter what circumstance comes up against me, no matter what happens on the news, no matter what my friend says, my neighbor says, my spouse says, I've got to get to the point where I say, none of these things move me. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it won't come near me. But see, that's not, the, that's not the cry of a casual Christian. That's the cry of somebody that has been through the wars for that word that you're holding on to. There are words from God and there are promises from God. See, back in the Old Testament, God used to take the Old Testament men of faith and used to put them into the wilderness. And they would go into that wilderness and they were tried and they were tested and it was hot and it was lonely. But when they stayed in that wilderness and that time was up, 
then they would come out of that and they were ready to do what God had called them to do. See, we don't go through the wilderness anymore. Okay, how many of you believe right now you're in a wilderness experience? You feel far from God. You're working through. You're not sure. We can still go get Ben and Jerry's. You know what I mean? You can be having a wilderness experience, but I can still go get ice cream. It's not like those men back in the wilderness. Amen? What are we really saying? When we say we're having a wilderness experience, what are we really saying? What's really happening? That means God is trying the word that's in your heart right now. Because he wants something pure to come out on the other side. You are going to be tempted and tested in everything. Satan tempts, God tests. Satan tempts, God tests. Amen? Satan is going to tempt you to do several different things. But God doesn't tempt us with evil. But God's going to test that word. Do you really believe? Is this Isaac, is he really the promised one? Do you really believe what you believe? Because we're going to, there's going to be a test. And if you will pass that test, you're going to see what you're believing for. But you have to allow yourselves. Look at this. Look at Proverbs chapter 17.3. I really thought you would be a lot more excited about this like I am. But that's all right. It's coming. You're going to get it tomorrow morning. You're going to wake up. Look at your neighbor and say, what's cooking? Because that's really the question. What's cooking? Proverbs 17.3. This will encapsulate everything I'm trying to say this morning. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold. But the Lord tests the hearts. What's in your heart this morning? Will you allow that heat? Will you allow the heat of the word, the heat of the wilderness? Will you allow the heat of persecution? Will you allow the heat burn out all of those impurities, all the doubt, all the unbelief? Will you allow it to get to a point where it's cooking something? When we were, mom used to make lunch when we came home from church. And mom would take a pot roast and put it in the crock pot. Anybody ever do that before? And so she would take that crock pot, and before we left for church, she couldn't smell anything. She would put that crock pot in there, and she put the potatoes. I'm making you hungry now, aren't I? She'd take the potatoes and the carrots and whatever else she would put in, and she would set it on low. And then we would go to church. And 12 hours later, when we came back from church, that's <laughs> what it felt like. <laughs> oh. When we got home from church, you'd forgotten about it. But the minute you opened that door, there was a smell that would radiate through and like, oh my gosh, we'd start eating it with our hands. You know what I mean? That's what faith smells like. The devil smells your faith when you start cooking something. When you start believing and that thing starts getting hot and it starts melting and it starts blending into what you're believing for, it's producing a smell. And it's that smell that the enemy is coming for. I smell faith. Somebody's believing for something. Let's go see. Let's just go see how serious they really are. 
because I'm going to bring circumstances. I'm going to bring things completely contrary to what they're believing for. Let's just see how serious they really are. Listen to me. The devil could care less that you're in church this morning. He's here too. The second place he took Jesus to tempt him was church. He's not scared of church. He's scared of a believer with the word in his heart that knows how to defeat him with the word. That's what he's afraid of. He's afraid of a person that's got a testimony in their heart to how God saved them from his sickness, how God delivered their kids from drugs, how he did something impossible when nobody else said they could do it. That's what he's afraid of. Because now you've got a God that's been proven because that word has gone into your heart and it's been purified seven times and it's come out. And now there's nothing the enemy can do against it. That's what he's afraid of. But the only way that this works is if we have to get really real with ourselves. Am I playing with this thing or is it real? If it's real, we need to act like it's real. That means we need to have the word going in our eyes, going in our ears and coming out of our mouth. That means I need to be setting aside time every day. Every day, spending time in his word, letting that word change us. Listen to me. You're going to have big jumps and you're going to have small jumps. I like the big jump because he just jumps you right up there. But there are going to be some things that you are going to spend a lifetime not struggling, not searching, but getting the revelation of what he's trying to say. Go back and study everything you've ever learned about faith. Start over. Throw the notebook away. Whatever we've preconceived that we think that we know, go back and you start asking God, Lord, what does this mean? And how does this thing change my life? Amen? We've got to get the word in our hearts. We've got to get it in our hearts. We've got to get it in our hearts. Thank you, Lord. He's good. Thank you, Lord. I'll finish with this. Are you as committed to seeing the manifestation of what you're believing for as the enemy is committed to seeing it not? Are you as committed to see this thing through as the enemy is committed to make sure that it doesn't? He's a 24-7 devil. We're a one-day-a-week Christian. Not us. Not this group. I'm sorry, but you're now responsible for everything I just said. You cannot leave here and go, I, you know, I didn't hear what he said, Lord. No, no, no. You have understanding of what I've said today. Amen. You have revelation knowledge of where we're going and what we're doing. We're going to believe God. And when I say I'm believing God, it's just not some Christianese speak that we use to make us feel better. Well, how are you, brother? Well, I'm just believing. Journey wrote a song, don't stop believing. But what does that really mean? 
That means I've allowed the word to come into my heart to get hot enough with my belief to purify me of all the impurities, all the doubt and unbelief, and that when that thing comes out of whatever I'm believing for, it is pure, it is tried, it is attested, and it is a testimony that this thing works and that God's word works. Amen? You're a living testimony of how God's word works. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Let's stand up. Well, pastor, how do, I, how do I get born again? It's so easy. The word was just preached to you, so there's faith in the room right now. And all you have to do is act on that faith by believing what I'm about to say. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, the Bible, God has made it as easy for us as he possibly can. He says all you have to do is believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and all you have to do is believe that he died on the cross for our sins and that he was risen from the grave. That's it. That is the beginning of the greatest journey that you'll ever go on in your whole life. You can travel where no man has gone before and never leave your house. God wants to take you on a trip. He wants to take you on a journey. He wants to show you your destiny. He wants to show you your purpose. He doesn't want you walking around confused, depressed, don't know why I'm here, don't know who I am. That's what a lost person says. We're not lost, we're found. I'm not blind, I can see. I have ears that hear. I have an understanding heart. I know God's voice and the voice of another I will not follow. But here's the cool thing, I know that he's good. So if you're watching me right now on the internet, all you have to do is just really just say this prayer with me. Father, Jesus, I want to know you. Become real to me. I've heard your word, and I, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross for me. I believe you were raised from the dead. I believe that you're standing right now at the throne of God looking down with me, the angels are rejoicing as I receive you as my Lord and Savior. So Jesus, come into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Heal me of all diseases. Deliver me from all addictions. Lead me to a good church. Give me a hunger for your word. But most importantly, Jesus, be my best friend. In Jesus' name. Oof. There's nothing easy about this life, but it's still better. I spent years in the world. I've been, I've seen it all. Well, no one's seen it all. I would rather have a bad day at church on a Sunday than a good Friday night in the world any day of the week because God is good. I can't think back on anything that, other than God is good. He's been so good to me, to my wife, my family. We're all here because of the goodness of God. Amen.